<laughs> Hallelujah. It's an exciting time. Amen. Amen. It's an exciting time, and we're, we're honored to be able to lead this ministry. I mean, it's, it pretty much runs itself, of course, with my wife. <laughs> she does all the work, but uh, <clears throat> we, um, we're excited, you know, because people's lives are being changed, you know, and it's, it's one of the things I told them last Tuesday night on our last session. I said, okay, it's time for the final exam. You know, and they all looked at me like, what are you talking about? But how many of you know in a, in a time of learning, whether it's in grade school, high school, college, Bible college, anywhere you go, you don't really know what you know until you have a test, right? And the test for this class is outside that door, right? Because we're, we're learning to understand the ministry of Jesus, and in that is who we are, our identity, Starts, though, first with who He is, right? Because we can't find out who we are until we truly know who He is. And who He is through us because of our alignment with heaven, with Jesus and His lifestyle. And then it's, the next step is learning to undo the years and years of what has been programmed into our mind, into our subconscious. The things that we do by default. Amen? How many of you have a default every... Every time something happens, bam. You know, my default in the old days used to be every time somebody cut me off in traffic or whatever, it's like, man, I wanted to make sure they knew they were in my way, you know. And it becomes less about me and more about him and our actions, right? So it's the process of not only unlearning because you can't put new stuff in usually until old stuff gets out, right? Displacement. Same in the spiritual world. We want to go into a place and, and, and bring the kingdom. A lot of times we have to displace another kingdom first to infiltrate with his kingdom. And so that's what we're learning to do. We're learning to take this lifestyle into the marketplace. Amen? Because a lot of times in Bible college uh, or in, in universities that promote... Um, Christian livings, we want to, ex we have this expectation that somebody's going to become a pastor, they're going to become a worship leader, they're going to take over a church, but there's this mandate that Lance Wallnow had put out years ago called the Seven Mountains of Culture, Seven Mountains of Society, and this, this school is really focused on how do we take Jesus into family, how do we take Jesus into religion and faith? Our, our kingdom responsibility here in the church. How about education, government and law, media, news? How do we take Jesus into the arts and entertainment field, business and economics? Um, one thing that happened years ago is, is uh, prayer was taken out of the school. And an overwhelming response from the church was, well, if they're going to do that... We'll just start our own Christian schools, and we'll send our kids over here. And we've taken the salt and the light out of the education realm. You know, and I did that myself. I was caught up in that. All of our, our kids went to Christian school the whole time. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. They did learn about God, not willingly, because we forced them to, right? And a few of them, when they graduated and they got out of the house, they went crazy wild, 
because they wanted to experience things that they weren't allowed to before. So it's, it's about raising up leaders who, gonna, who are going to display the lifestyle of Jesus with the waitress at the restaurant, with the person with a cast on her arm who's working in the grocery store, you know, with a, not just the person in the wheelchair or the crutches, but learning to hear from Holy Spirit that somebody's got an emotional thing in there that's holding them back from their destiny and just speaking it out. Amen. We're going to see some words of knowledge this morning. We're going to see some healings. We're going to see some testimonies. And we're going to see, my goal is to, for them to be able to share how their life is different now that they've submitted to this teaching and they've surrendered to this calling. I'm just going to be brief. Um, just have one little thing that the Holy Spirit was sharing with me this morning. And, um, you know, being a leader... Um, is really being a servant, you know, and you learn that when you get involved because, you know, everybody wants to aspire to be a leader, but how many of you want to do the work of the kingdom? You know, so what the Holy Spirit was saying to me is, what's your passion? What makes you burn, Manny? We know Manny gets up here. He can preach a word, right? But he wants to go everywhere. You know, Danielle and the team, they get up there and they sing and they worship and they lead and it's like, wow. That's their passion. You know, so sitting here before me is just these passionate pursuers, lovers of Jesus that do not relent. If you have never been here on a Tuesday night, some of you have visited, uh, you need to come sometime. It is amazing what takes place here. I mean, I can't describe it. I can't even begin to tell you what takes place. Um, It's powerful because we see the kingdom of God manifest here. And then they come back week after week and they give testimony after testimony of what God is doing. And it's just, it's just honoring to be a part of, you know, I I just, I'll be honest with you. I I did kind of run the other way (laughs) a couple of years ago when, when Nicole asked uh, David and I to lead, I was like, Oh, sure. David can do that. (laughs) Yeah. David can do that. And then, you know, wind and complain for a little bit longer and then, you know, it didn't work. (laughs) But you know what? I'm so glad I stuck with it because it is so amazing to see there's just so much love coming out of your faces, to hear your testimonies, to see you walking in the truth and walking in love and just knowing that God's doing all this. He's brought us all together. It's nothing we're doing. We're just hanging out together, you know. But um, the one thing that uh, really impacted me, you know, we get to hear week after week after week, Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, you know, Danny Silk. Dan Farley, I mean, the big leaders. And one thing that impacted me is, you know, Bill Johnson, one of his simple statements, he says, every word, every move of God started with one person being open to the Holy Spirit and to what he's saying. Every move of God. And what we have here is a move of God. You know, we keep praying for revival. Guess what? We're in revival. You are a revivalist. I command you right now. You are a revivalist. Where's Chip Payne? Say amen. (laughs) You're a revivalist. You know, that's what we have adopted and become. Because in our church, if you ever read our bulletin at all, or even on our website, it says, encounter, equip, engage. You know, that's what we do. We encounter God, we equip the believers, and we engage others so that we can see his kingdom come. Because if we keep it to ourselves... That is not good. I'll take Nicole's word. Shame on you. If you keep it to yourself, 
shame off you, right? You know, don't do that. You know, the one you taught about, shame, shame off you, you know? Like, don't, no shame, right, no shame, whatever. I got it messed up. Your little word was so good. <laughs> I forgot it. <laughs> anyway, you know, really, it's all about love when it comes down to it. And being unique and being what he's called you to be. You know, Lindsay, you've taken the women to the next level. And you're just, you're just, you're blowing us away. You know, like what God is doing in this place, it just blows me away. I'm, I'm just loving it. And now we're connecting with another group out in the Goochland area. We already have another Goochland teacher. But I don't, I don't want to, you know, take anything away from what the Lord's doing. Because every one of these leaders have been just so faithful. There's no other word. Faithful. You guys are faithful. You know, when I don't feel like coming, you're faithful. And I'm here and you hold me up and I always leave laughing and so glad I came. You know, it is a nine months commitment. You know, it is nine months of your life. And, you know, that you give and you give. And it's not just one night a week. When you're running this thing, it's every day. You're getting emails, you're helping people. And it's, it, it has become a joy for me. It wasn't always that way, I'll be honest. Sometimes they're like, oh, I need a helper already. But the Lord, you know, he is my helper, you know. He is my helper. And so when, I'm, when I have to strengthen myself in the Lord, it's usually because I have tried to be working in my own power and not in his power. And so I just move out of the way. Amen. <laughs> I just move out of the way, and then he takes over. It's so good. Thank you, David. Okay, so we did have one little quick, just so you'll understand what we're talking about, if you've never heard of BSSM. Kelsey, can you play that one little video real quick? It won't take but like two minutes. As the body of Christ, we have a mandate to... ...revivalists to bring the kingdom to every corner of the earth. The Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry video curriculum was designed to enable churches and leaders to help fulfill this calling by planting schools, empowering leaders, and transforming nations. Filmed in BSSM, the curriculum features dynamic speakers including Bill and Benny Johnson, Chris Ballatin, Dan Fairley, Eric Johnson, Danny and Sherry Silk, and many others. First and second year BSSM video curriculum each feature approximately 150 hours of training. The curriculum can easily be used on its own or combined with your own live teaching. Powerful resources designed to help you build your team. The Lord has summoned us into co-laboring roles that cannot be expressed in the earth until you have training. First year BSSM video curriculum focuses on developing a revival culture and a supernatural lifestyle through teaching about our identity in Christ and how to operate in signs and wonders. There's also a strong emphasis on biblical studies, healing, developing a prophetic culture, and on demonstrating the gospel with power. You were born to rule from love, not from fear. But nevertheless, you were born to rule. Second year BSSM video curriculum builds on first year's curriculum. We focus on practical leadership principles, apostolic governmental structures, and deeper activations of existing spirits. There is more in-depth Bible study and how to steward inheritance to leave a legacy for the next generation, a revival that never ends. What's the number one common denominator of every move of God is a study of one person 
Yeah. <laughs> and now keep in mind, they do it every day of the week, and they have a continuous one- to two-year program. So we can only meet one day a week because people work, and we try to accommodate that. But we're, we're actually been praying and talking to Pastor Doug about expanding it in the fall to make it more of an online curriculum for people to do community groups. So that's coming. Be listening. It's not going to be like just having to come to class like one, which I shouldn't say have, coming to class on Tuesday night, you'll be able to take this curriculum if you want to be a, a, a developing as a leader and use it in your community and have, um, we're going to have more live interaction next year, more teachers, more, more pastors coming in and teaching. So it's going to be really good. So um, yeah, it's, we're growing, you know, but I don't want to take any more time because I know we have some good testimonies. Oh yeah. <laughs> First of all, I'd like for my leaders to stand up so we can honor you guys. It's Jamie. Nikki, Sue, Nicole, Lisa, yeah. Stand up, stand up, come on, clap. Come on, there you go, stand up for them, yes. I'm their biggest cheerleader, come on. Thank you. I know that. If there was an online curriculum that you could take part in, who might be interested and that, so you don't have to come down here on a Tuesday night. Okay, there are a few that, that could possibly be interested in that. So we'll, we'll have more information about that as uh, the summer goes on, uh, more definite details. So now we just like everybody to file up across the front. It's less daunting if everybody's up here and somebody shares, right? If you're the only one up here, sometimes it's kind of... Uh... This is our fine group of leaders... Amen. Amen. Wow, that's good. All right. Um, who wants to be first? Or should I just pick one? Ah, then come on over here. Come on down. Do I have a podium thing? You want a podium? I have to have something to hold me up. I'll hold you up. <laughs> I got you. Well, the title of my testimony is Hallelujah Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Julie and Lonnie and their family a few months ago, went out west, and they shared a testimony of their adventures, and the Lord used them in the word of knowledge and other supernatural events, and it just rekindled the desire in me 
to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. The Bethel course was offered here, and Jim and I realized that this would be a step in that direction. And we are very happy that we joined together. We've been saved for 45 years. And the Lord is still new and still fresh, and there's just so much more that we can learn and use about him. Well, Bill Johnson, who is the leader of Bethel, said in his teaching, there is a cost involved for gaining what God has to give. We should choose the road that has a higher price because there we will find the greatest fruit. I have struggled to be removed from situations that the Lord has put me in in the past. I told him, my character is already built. I mean, 45 years. But it continued. um, How many of you have heard of that poem about footprints in the sand? In, In the poem, it's Jesus walking with me, and you see two sets of footprints, and then a trial comes, and there's only one set, and I just realized that he was gone, and he said, no, that was where I carried you. Well, a friend of mine said that my walk with the Lord is two grooves in the sand, where I dig my heels in, and he drags me from one thing to the next, and so that's another reason I joined this group, is to tried to make that right. So I was teaching first grade, and I was out on the playground, and a little boy said, Mrs. Cartier, you have godly hairs. And I thought, well, it's like the sun must be shining on me, and they're gold. And I said, Brian, what do godly hairs look like? He said, they're gray. (laughs) So... (laughs) The following week, my hair was brown. (laughs) Then, after years of teaching, I retired, and I decided to go gray. Well, I write about everything in my prayer journal. And I said, Lord, this is awful. I have this stripe down the middle of my head, and what am I going to do? And the next thing I wrote was, well, I could dye my hair blue. Of course. So little did I know that that was going to start a ministry. So my husband and I became a traveling prayer team. As soon as I dyed my hair blue, we walked into a grocery store, and all these, well, two or three people would come up, and they still do every time we go into a store, and they comment on my hair. And then after a while, we we realized it was the opportunity to pray for people, And so that's when we said, it's hallelujah blue. And they usually say, ooh. (laughs) And so we get to pray for people. And it's really a blessing. Sometimes we get to, usually we don't see them again. But sometimes when it's a cashier or someone in a store that we see more often, we get the results and we find out that God is answering the prayers. So the Bethel Course encourages us not to give up. We don't need to understand but to trust. We are supported, and the phrase we even use, we're supposed to fail, because otherwise we're not trying. And I was really good at that. I was really good at that. Or we're not trying in our ministry. I would like to pray one of my favorite verses over you. 
in the Amplified Bible, Ephesians 3.16, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. Jesus sees each of us as individuals, and we all have a special place in his kingdom. Hallelujah. Oh. Amen. That's Alyssa Cartier, and we're waiting for Jim to join the Blue Hair Brigade. That's, um... This is Lisa, and she is our Goochland leader. So tell them all about what's going on in Goochland. Yes. Okay. We've been meeting together probably for about three years, um, a year and a half in my home, and um, I'm just very thankful that we get to do it um, on Thursday mornings because um, Tuesday evenings were a little hard for some of us with families. Um, but our group has really become a home group. It's not just the school of ministry. It's truly a home group. And we are become very close-knit group, and um, we pray for one another, lay hands on each other, have communion together. Um, we share each other's burdens. Um, and that's, I mean, we're really an encouragement. And a lot of us will say that this group is our church because many of us go to other churches and aren't able to come here. So Thursdays are our church as well. And I would just, um, the ministries that are coming out of these women, um, we have one that has a ministry called Power and Love. She goes to churches to preach and to minister to people. We have someone who is in her church this Sunday giving testimony about what the Lord has done. Um, She was in the hospital this week. She um, went in because of kidney failure. And we just stood against it. And um, she went home yesterday. And she, yeah. And she is giving her testimony. Oh, um, well, she's given her testimony at church this weekend. And um, they have opened up. Um, she talks about healing in church, which is a little bit different for them. Um, but they have allowed her just to walk in. Now she's teaching a class on Hebrews. So the doors have really opened up for her. Um, and she's only been in our group a year. She came to our group last year when we were having the end-of-the-year party <laughs> at Lola's. And um, she, she just happened to come by. They were going to go to dinner, but we were having our meeting. And Debbie hooked us up, and she became a part of our group. I mean, she's a big part of our group. And then we have this little fireball over here in Lila. (laughs) I'm going to pass it on to her. Oh, Oh. this might go there. Okay. Since there's only two of us here. want to say just one more thing. Um, our group is open Thursday mornings um, to whoever wants to come and join us. We meet at 9.30 and we go uh, 12, 12.30. Just, we really just go as the Spirit leads us. Um, and we have an advantage being um, in a home that we can stop the videos and discuss them right then and there and we can pray about stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and we do all 12 videos. Oh, we're in short pump. Yeah, so if you're interested in doing a, a daytime group, Lisa, just 
make sure you see Lisa at the end, and you can find out. You can just jump right in. And you take very little summer break, right? Y'all, y'all kind of continually to grow? Oh, okay. Wow. So they go a lot more than us. Talk about an 11-month commitment. Come on. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so Andrea, our amazing prophetic dreamer, <laughs> dream interpreter. Yeah, everybody stand in line for her, right? <laughs> um, has been really activating a lot <laughs> in this, this group. And even though you weren't um, a lead, look, she's ready. <laughs> even though you weren't like an actual leader, she offered, you offered so much. Like she just, Andrea is one that just kind of walks in her identity. She doesn't wait to be called up. She's like, I got a word. I've got this. You know, it's like amazing. So she's quiet, but she's a fireball. So watch out. (laughs) Go, Andrea. So I just want to share a personal experience I had. Um, One night on a Tuesday night, we were watching a Bill Johnson video. And he told us to stand up, and he was praying for us at the end to be, you know, God to wake you up in the night, to impart revelation to you. And it was, you know, we were all standing up praying. And I got some prayer also because I was just feeling like my life's been really busy lately, and I just have a hard time finding a space or time to be quiet with the Lord, so... I actually like coming on Tuesday nights because I can just sit there. <laughs> so I totally received that. Like, I, I hadn't been praying a lot or anything. I just received, they prayed refreshing over me. And I went home that night, and I had the wildest night. I dreamt all night. I was flying over the world. And, like, Jesus was carrying me. <laughs> like Superman, you know. It was amazing. I was going over all these landscapes and just so cool. So then a little later, I had a lot of dreams, but I woke up wide awake, and in response to that prayer I had, being woken up in the middle of the night and God giving you revelation, I said, okay, Lord, do you want to talk to me now? And I'm not usually one to get up in the night and do all that. So the Spirit told me to read about myself. And I knew immediately he's meant Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. (laughs) So I got up. But, oh, I forgot a part. When we were praying in, in our group, I saw I had a vision of, some dirt, and in the dirt were these pearls that were um, half covered up and half showing out of the dirt. And I said, oh, what's that, Lord? And he told me about the woman in my group. These are my pearls being revealed on the earth. And I thought, oh, cool. You know, we've all heard that God is revealing his bride and all that, so I thought it was weird that they were in the dirt, though. But anyways, so I woke up, I read Proverbs 31, and I was reading from the Passion Translation, which is amazing. Um, Brian Simmons wrote this translation. He's like a walking revelation anyways, but 
I realized that um, Proverbs 31 is also an allegory for the end time bride of Christ. So, and there was a reference to um, the parable of the costly pearl, because it speaks of the merchant. And in his commentary, he writes, um, the hidden treasure is a symbol of you and me. Jesus is the man who sold all that he owned, leaving the exalted place of glory to come and pay for the sin of the whole world with his blood, just so we could have you. He could have you, his treasure. So in that parable, it's about um, a, mer a person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field, just as so he could have this treasure. So that would just blew my mind because that, that was the pearls I was seeing in the dirt. So I was getting all this new revelation, and it was great. So I went to work the next day, and I should have been exhausted because I was up half the night, but I felt so renewed and refreshed. It was amazing. So. Wow. Wow. All of that, one lesson. You know, she takes God personal. One lesson. Bill Johnson told her to do it. She prayed about it, and look what happened. Amazing. Okay, we have time for one or two? One? Uh, yeah. Come on, Gail. Yes. Um, and then Alan, and then we're going to do some fun. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to be... Uh... <laughs> well, I was born at a very young age. Um, I started out normal, but didn't wind up that way. <laughs> Um, I was born in the middle of seven children, right in the middle, number four. And I am your typical middle child syndrome. <laughs> middle children strive for attention, and middle children usually are legitimately overlooked in a family because the focus is on the eldest and or the youngest. And when there's seven of them, you haven't got a chance. <laughs> so... My life had been driven by a desire for acceptance, to be noticed. Uh, and that carried over into my relationships, into my workplace. I mean, I had a spirit of excellence that uh, drove me. And excellence is good when it's channeled for the Lord. I uh, had a standard that I held myself to, and people around me were uh, kind of put aback because of that standard. Um, I always felt I needed permission to move in, in what I knew in my knower. <laughs> and what the School of Ministry has done is that it has told me over and over again that, Gail, you don't need permission to be who God made you to be. Uh, I was hyper-submissive in very legalistic backgrounds, um, and I was chastised for stepping out into what I now know is the Holy Spirit in me. And that's a long story. But 
God's love is not based on my performance. <laughs> His acceptance of me is based solely on the blood of Jesus. Not church doctrine, kingdom doctrine. And the kingdom embraces the spirit in each of us. When I see you move in the spirit, my heart rejoices. And the school helped me to see into the Father's heart. What a blessing. And it celebrates me without a litmus test. Can I hear an amen? He created me unique to accomplish a purpose. And it wasn't through shame into submission. It was through love into position. And he's given me freedom from oppressive religious spirits. Oh, oh. Let me just say, something happens to people when they go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. <laughs> I want to be free in the spirit. He helped me to understand with my mind how I was created in the spirit. Discernment, prophecy, interpretation, intuity. The gifts, being a middle child, you, you're capable in a lot of different directions. You can hold a lot of different ends. And stepping out into them and being chastised for it really set me back because it's fear-based for rejection. And I've had a lot of rejection. I've had, a, you know, at one point I had every re significant relationship in my life either stripped or walked away. But the Holy Spirit never did. And I am an example of an unshackled person. He has freed me from performance anxiety. Hallelujah. So you have to love me. Right? You have to love me. So I'm just going to love you the only way I know how. And Juanita, I want you to know I still have my uh, mustard seeds. Aha, girlfriend, girlfriend. And... Um, I did have a scripture, just to tie this into John 15, 14, and 15. And if my eyes will work, it says, you are my friends if you obey me. This is the new living. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends. <laughs> Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. I chose you, I appointed you to go and pro produce fruit that lasts. And one of the fruits in my life is a poetic unction. So if I may share a poem that I wrote last night. It's called Beautiful Work of Art. All my broken places are like shards of glass. Pieces that were shattered Memories from my past, some stained with crimson from when I felt my heart break, others clear from the tears that fell, all those times that he did not forsake. There's blue for times of sadness, 
vibrant orange for when I danced, yellow for all the times of joy, all together at one glance. All the experiences of my life that creates my heart's desire smelted together with purest gold, straight from the refiner's fire. All the pieces blended together have become a work of art, no longer just broken shards of glass, but a stained glass window of God's heart. Wow. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? It's just, wow. Okay, so we have one more testimony, and then we're going to really have some fun. Well, we're going to have some fun now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. No, I know. It's okay. Don't get offended. No, I'm not. I'm not. First, I wanted to share something that's uh, I started to share one time at Harvest real briefly about my million-dollar house that I used to have. So I have to finish that story for those that have heard, haven't heard the end. And so this was a million-dollar house, and the carrying charges on that house were actually more than I earned in income. So it was a supernatural thing. It wasn't a good thing, but God allowed me to get through that. So praise God for that. And what happened was... Um, the person that was living there and renting it from me moved out. He was called to ministry in St. Louis, and the house was empty, and I had no choice but to sell it. You know, it's not that easy to rent out a million-dollar house, you know. Neither is it necessarily a wise thing to do. And so we put it for sale, and um, I was very fortunate. It's out of town. It's in Columbia, South Carolina, a city that Doug knows well on uh, a place called Lake Carolina. It's a lakefront house, 9,000 square feet. But anyway, um, so we put it for sale with some realtors in the neighborhood, and it was very fortunate because we had the ability to have them kind of be custodians of the house. That's not necessarily what a realtor always does. And eventually, you know, it's not easy to sell a million-dollar house. The market for that is very limited, you know. So we had a professional basketball player look at the house and some other people look at the house. And then someone from the neighborhood that had a much more modest house, the realtors, my realtors, inspired this guy to look at the house. He wasn't interested because it didn't have a boat dock and it didn't have a swimming pool. And some of the houses do in that area. A lot of them do. But anyway, it wound up selling, and praise God, in March. And so after like six months of of having to pay everything on my own. So, but I want to say also that we just had to fight the fight of faith throughout that time, believing that God was going to help us because it was beyond us, you know. And so I praise God for that. You know, so we, we did the things we know to do that I shared last time. But the, the more significant thing is about the school of ministry. I've been one that's throughout my life, even at the time of my birth, struggled with rejection and abandonment because I was born almost three months early. I weighed two and one-eighth pounds. I might have shared this last time. And I was put in a plastic box and abandoned. That's what they used to do back in 1949. They didn't know any better. And so it gave the enemy a chance to speak to my heart at that time. Believe it or not, babies, even before they're born, process information in their souls, even in the womb. 
they're finding out about some of that stuff now. Anyway, so as I was pondering and Patricia and I were worshiping in the house yesterday, I recognized that one of the key tactics of the enemy is discouragement. And I know that that's true because not too long ago, even Pastor Doug stood up here and said that there was a day at the office that he didn't feel like he could make it through the day. And he said, thank God for a praying wife. Do you remember when you shared that? And so discouragement is always ready and waiting to come upon us. But what we have to do is not believe it. And so one of the things that the School of Ministry teaches us is how to be renewed in our mind. And Bill Johnson is a precise surgeon in bringing that message, how to do that, and what are some of the details in how to do it. And so he has a, many books. One of his books is The Supernatural Power of the Transformed Mind. But anyway, um, so discouragement, what we have to do is we have to grab on to the power of God and to his truth and to let go of what the enemy is saying. And sometimes he speaks very loudly. Sometimes he is such a dark cloud around us that we don't know what else to do. It almost feels like that's our world. And I'm sure that everybody in this room has been there, and maybe some people are there now. And so I want to close with this. Believe it or not, over 100 years ago, an amazing, sad thing happened. And one of the most precious hymns in the church that's been a hymn up until modern times, was written out of that experience. You may or may not know that a lot of the precious hymns that are even are sung today were from people that were in the crucible, and God gave them victory. And so there was a man, Horatio G. Spafford of Chicago, in the 1870s that had a law firm. He was a partner, and he was very well off and had a beautiful wife and four lovely daughters and a happy home. The Chicago fire struck and burned down his building, and he had a lot of real estate holdings. It burned all them up, too. And so the man went from being a very wealthy man to having very modest means. The next thing that happened was there was a stock market crash that happened in the 1870s, like 1873, that also took some of his money. It was called the Panic of 1873 or something like that. And so he was friends with a great evangelist, that we might all know, called Dwight L. Moody. And so wonderful things were happening in England. And so Horatio Spafford got in his heart to make the journey to England to be part of what was God was doing there. But some last-minute business stuff came up, and so he was when, postponed his reservation. And maybe some of you know this story. Pastor Doug is nodding at me. And he sent his whole family over there, his wife and four children. Unfortunately, halfway through the Atlantic, a Scottish steel hold ship crashed into this wooden hold ship and broke the ship in two, and it sank in 12 minutes, and everyone was overboard. His wife was able to find a piece of wreckage to hang on to, and because of the cold waters, the little girls quickly succumbed and passed away. His wife was able to hang on for a while and a rescue ship found her like a rowboat or something, found her and pulled her in and brought her to England. And so she was able to cable her husband. Just imagine receiving that cable, giving him some of the details. And so I believe she said, started the cable with saved alone. So he wrote this, this verse, 
And I want everyone who's in here, because the seeds of the testimony, Bill Johnson teaches us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, meaning that anytime someone has victory or a miracle in their life, there's seeds in it like Pastor Doug showed us the other day about someone was healed and he had us all stand up to be healed, for we to, us to be healed too. So if anyone is struggling with discouragement or has had that in their life, just receive the truth of the Word of God. And I'm going to read you this hymn from 1873, and I want you to be ministered to by it. Now, one of the things is that today, oftentimes in this world, our life is kind of easy compared to the whole continuity of time. It might not feel like it's easy, but compared to the work that people has, had to do before, before some of the conveniences that we had today, life is different. People were accustomed to fighting, even fighting to survive. Even think of the people who came to America across the sea with nothing, no homes, no nothing, or many other situations. And so we've kind of been spoiled. And so, but this is what was like 100 years ago. So this man was crossing the ocean a few days later to also book, keep his passage, Horatio Spafford, to England, and he passed over the spot where his family had been killed. And the captain of the ship brought him forward and said, I believe this is the place. And so some seeds were planted in him that a short time later, he wrote this hymn. So let this inspire you as I read it. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read it to you. I can sing it, but it's more powerful. And you've got to recognize it. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll. No pang shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. It goes on, but I think you get the point. So this was written, again, by a man who has just lost his fortune, his four children, and felt like he had nowhere to turn. But like David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. 
and did not let discouragement have a victory. So I want to challenge all of us. Discourage, I can guarantee you that discouragement will come in this life. It's come to me on and off for all these years. But we can be encouraged in that. And I want to tell you one more thing. One of the things that has been defining in my life is that I got in the habit as a young person uh, to use the yardstick of measuring myself against other people. I think it's unfortunately a pretty common thing. And I'll tell you what, that I decided a few days ago to throw away that yardstick. So you might want to do the same. So during, this is, this is really good. I had no idea what he was going to say. But during worship, Jamie um, got a word of knowledge. Come on up, Jamie. And um, I want to, I feel like this really is a good time to, 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 yeah, go ahead, Jamie. Yeah. Well, actually it was yesterday and this morning, but it kept coming back was, I was asking for words of knowledge, and I love healing, but I wasn't getting any kind of healing, physical thing, but it was actually about anxiety and worry. And so it's kind of flowed with all the testimonies. And so really we want to just pray for anybody that has issues with worry, anxiety, just mental emotion, you know, emotions. How many of you know what a word of knowledge is? Anybody? There's nine gifts of the Spirit. And I've heard people say who didn't understand what they were, were like, well, I don't need that, you know. I got love, I got joy, I got the fruit, you know. But how many of you know the fruit is for us, but the gifts are for others? So if we, if we want to be able to move in the way Jesus did, we need to ask for these words or these uh, gifts of the Spirit, right? How do you get them? You ask for them. Real simple. So a word of knowledge, when, when God gives someone a word of knowledge and they speak it out, if that's something that you need in your life, partner with that word because grace is being released, right? How many of you know grace is the operational power of God, right? God's riches as Christ exemplified when he lived on earth, right? So it's, it's the power for anything you need. Who else? Just uh, before we move on, was there anybody that, that had that, that, that's been struggling with that, what Alan and what Jamie just shared? Anybody? Okay, okay. Stand up. Stand up. Okay, yes. There are a lot more of you. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Anxiety and what else? Worry. Yes. Who, what else? Discouragement. Discouragement. Yeah. Come on, people. This is family. If you think you might struggle with it, stand up. Because you know what? When there's a word of knowledge, there's the grace and the empowerment to actually bring breakthrough. So if you don't want breakthrough, just sit down. <laughs> I love Nicole. <laughs> okay, so what we want to do is... Uh, uh, and what? People struggling with their identity. Okay. All right, so she got a str- word of knowledge. So, all right, uh, struggling with identity. Anybody? Identity, sorry. So identity as a child of God is I am so secure in my sonship and my daughtership. So I don't struggle with an ongoing sense of rejection. I don't struggle with an ongoing sense of, God, where are you? You've left me. Have, am I, have you forgotten me? There's none of those orphan 
like heart cries going out because I'm secure. So if things happen to me, there's something in me that can bounce back. There's something in me that can rise up and just receive these promises with such power and grace. So that's, if you struggle with things on an ongoing basis and constantly you feel separated from God, that's an identity issue. So that's what, that's what that is. And for anyone who's struggling with the goodness of God, do you ever question whether God is good? Stand up. Bad things happen. It's a fallen world. It's not God's, it's not God's desire. It's not God's making. It's not God's fault. Right? There's at least one person in here that struggles with mental clarity. There is no such thing as losing your mind because you have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ covers you and you can walk in clarity. I'm going to make this brief. Look around at each other. Look around. You see this? You see each other? This issue is not something that the Lord is going to instantly deliver you completely of because you'd have to die to be delivered of. The reason why we're standing up here is because God wooed our hearts into coming to the school of ministry. And over a period of time, I've been attending the school of ministry for three years now. Jehovah Sneaky got to my heart and changed me and made me from thinking, I'm weird, I'm scared to talk to people, I'm so insecure, my mannerisms are strange. He said, I love you as who you are. Now go into the world and be empowered to know that I through you will change lives and you'll love it. When you see yourself like Jesus sees you, you're going to love yourselves. Okay? So I challenge all of you to look at each other and know it's not going to be fixed instantly. We're going to pray and believe God He's going to do work. But you have every reason in the world to come to school and ministry and get the final change that won't be taken away from you. Just know that. Okay, so is there anyone here having any physical pain in your body? Something that just won't go away. Okay, keep your hand raised up. What we're going to do is we're going to release the team out to you. So you don't even have to walk up unless you want team. We're still going to have prayer, but we're releasing. Guys, go. Go get them. You see the hands that are up. Physical healing. Something. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to go, we're, 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 everybody's going out. Just keep your hand raised. If you got those words of knowledge that we had, you need prayer for, we're coming to get you. And the worship team's going to play. And what I'm believing with all my heart is we are going to get healed in this worship. Come on, guys. We're going to get healed during worship. You just go for it. Are people still have their hands up. Okay, David, we got the guy in the green shirt. The guy in the green shirt. No, over here. He needs, he's got his hand up. Physical healing. Mental depression. We don't want more than one person. Just everybody go to someone. Okay, if you feel like you have been on the ministry team and you want to pray, Ron, can you help us out? Okay. Manny, will you help us? We got some people still standing that need prayer. Okay. Anybody else on the ministry team? Okay. Um. Once you're done, go to the next people that are standing. Some people are still standing and they need prayer. We need some more prayer ministers. Okay, anybody that comes to healing rooms, go. You're released to go pray for people. There's a girl back there at the back. Okay, go.
go get Laura. Oh. Everybody, come on now. We're joining together. We need some more prayer ministers. So, so. 